Hi, it's Steve Indig at Sport Law. Leave me a message. I'll get back to you as soon as I can. Hey, Steve. It's Dina. You aren't going to believe what just came across my desk. We need to chat. Give me a call. Welcome to a very special episode of Sportopia. We are so excited to share some exciting news with all of you about our latest partnership with the Canadian Centre for Ethics and Sport. We both wish to foster hope, support, ethical literacy, provide leadership and legal education, and address some of the risks affecting provincial and territorial sport leaders. Here with us today, Steve, is the Executive Director of Values-Based Sport and one of our dear friends, Carrie Dawson, who has been working with the Canadian Center for Ethics and Sport for, oh, probably two decades now, if not more so. I'm really feeling very privileged to have Carrie here with us today to talk about this thing that we're launching together as we both work uh, individually and collectively to help advance healthy human sports. So welcome, Carrie, to this episode. We're thrilled to have you. I'm going to share a little bit more about Carrie. So when I started working in the Canadian sports system in 1991, yes, Steve, since 1991. We won't tell the listeners where I was in 1991. My dear friend Carrie was working for the Fair Play Commission. And I was with the Canadian Centre for Drug-Free Sports and, and both those organizations merged. And that's when Carrie and I started working together. So she has a Bachelor of Commerce in Sport Administration from Laurentian University. She's been working in the Canadian sports sector, mainly on advancing fair play, respectful sport, values-based and driven sport. She's an extraordinary woman that I'm very privileged to call my friend, and we're really excited to have her join us here today. So welcome, Carrie. Thank you so much, Dina and Steve. It is absolute pleasure to be here with you guys today. Yeah. So before we we start to do the big unveil about why we've invited you to this special edition, Steve, what is uh, what's coming across <clears throat> your desk today? I always get nervous, Dina, when we record a podcast and I'm not sure what I'm going to speak about. And then I just look over at my calendar and and see what was done yesterday or today. This morning, I had the privilege of giving a board training to a national sport organization, trying to help them facilitate the difference between governance and operations and, and working with their staff. Of course, that ties in very well with our guest today, who we partnered with the CCS to create the Governance Essentials online board training. You can learn more about that in the notes below. I've also spent some time trying to help clients figure out the difference between complaining and a complaint. And they're not always the same. They are very different. Someone's complaining. It's likely trying to resolve an issue through an informal process. Yet a complaint would be something you would see filed under your discipline and complaints policy, to which you would have an obligation to follow that policy to help you come up with a resolution. The last one that I want to talk about today is something that really helped launch my career back in 2003, 2004 was the establishment of privacy legislation in Canada. And we haven't heard a lot about the use of privacy or the implementation of privacy procedures in sport, probably in the last decade. But this morning, again, I spoke to a client who wanted to disclose their membership list to a third party and wanted to make sure they did that in a precise legal manner. 
And are you even able to legally do so? So um, it's funny how the old becomes new again, but those are a couple of the things that have kept me busy the last uh, week. Mm. Oh, that's great. Well, as usual, mine is a little bit different. What I'm most excited to share is a phenomenal conversation I had with a client yesterday, and they've given me permission to talk about them. So this would be Canada Snowboard. They were the first organization, first NSO, to join us in uh, in measuring what matters most, and that's measuring culture. So we've been working now with Canada Snowboard on management management by values as a as an ethical imperative, and they have declared that they want to become the leading snowboard nation. And part of that is them doubling down on their commitment to manage, lead, compete by values. So to better figure out, well, what does that actually mean? They challenged me probably two years ago with going out and trying to figure out how we were going to actually evaluate the impact of managing by values. And as you know, because we, we will be talking about this, we joined forces with an amazing company called Interlogic to help us measure culture. So we can have this cultural intelligence to better understand what are the strengths that we can leverage in our culture. And then what are some of the hot spots that we need to address before they burn, <laughs> they burn up the world. So it was just such an incredible conversation with Dustin and one of his staff, uh, Emily, who's being tasked to, to bring their commitment to thriving culture alive in their organization and understanding their interest in wanting to be transparent and open. They have an incredible athlete council with retired now athletes who are dedicated to giving more voice and choice to current national team athletes and, and a commitment to integrate what they're learning around EDII, their commitment to foster belonging in their sport alongside their safe sport commitment. So we're kind of moving in a direction to call it the culture project and really excited about the ways we can support their leadership in this space. So why are we here, Dina? I am pretty excited to announce what we have upcoming over the next 12 to 18 months. As you, as you know from working with me for over a decade, I am jazzed by what I would call the positive work that we can do in sport. And unfortunately, a lot of what I do is the reactive work in sport that may not necessarily move sport or or individual organizations forward. So maybe you can announce, Dina, or share the idea that you came up with. You knocked on my door, rang my phone, pitched me an idea. Unusual. I thought you were crazy and this was not a great idea. And, and here we are on the verge of, of announcing something very special. So what have you forced me into again? <laughs> well, what, how I remember it is maybe a little bit differently because I think that's where you and I meet is in our deep desire to serve and, and to have fun and to be a bit more hopeful. And I, I think what happened, Steve, is I was out for a run and I, I had just finished rereading a blog I wrote last January. So this would have been January 2022. Uh, and I wrote Hope on the Horizon. What am I looking forward to? On parallel tracks, you know, you know that I'm taking all this death and grief work to the next level. So when you're busy dealing with grief and loss, right alongside that is hope. Hope that maybe I'm going to see another tomorrow. Hope that I've lived a really good, meaningful life. And so as we've been supporting our clients and grappling with all things that are difficult right now, this idea that maybe we could bring and help restore hope through our leadership and legal work. And closely related to that is the principles of true sport, 
values-based sport that is championed with the Canadian Centre for Ethics in Sport. So, drum roll, please. <laughs> We're happy to announce that we have launched Hope on the Horizon. It's basically in short form, we're calling it the Hope Tour. And Sport Law is so privileged and really grateful to be working alongside the CCES in this joint venture, where we're going to be traveling across the country. We already have seven sites, if you will, seven hosts that are inviting us into their backyards to help their provincial and territorial sport organizations to better understand what are some of the legal requirements that they must have in place, what are some of the leadership issues and also opportunities that we want to invest in the in the leaders so that they are feeling resourced and hopeful as they continue to grapple with some of the things that are keeping sport stuck. And then we are, are privileged to be working alongside the CCS and then their commitment to activate principle-driven uh, values-based sport through the expression of true sport, which uh, we're really excited to learn more about today. So on this HOPE tour, we have seven right now hosts, and, uh, and the three of us are going to be traveling across the country having really important, meaningful conversations. So Carrie, welcome again, and we're just thrilled that, uh, that the CCS and you in particular are going to be joining us to have these meaningful conversations. Maybe tell us a little bit more about your vision for, for this and why you said yes. Well, Dina, I would say I said yes, because saying no to you and Steve is a very, very difficult thing. <laughs> no, seriously. Um, I think we've done so much great work together, Sport Law and the CCS over the last you know decade and a half at least. And this is just the next logical step, I think, in helping sport to, to do better and to be better and to ensure that it can offer all the great things that we know sport can do. So saying yes to this made perfect sense because I think that the workshop that we've got planned as a, as a collective will take sport organizations to a place where they can review their policies, their practices, their programs, make sure they're doing all the things they must do. And then we wanna have an opportunity to empower the leaders and to build their confidence and to provide them with the tools and resources and some new ideas on how they can take all that to the next level. So I know you talk a lot about what we must do, or I guess Steve talks about what we must do and Dina talks about what we ought to do and so this project brings all of that together. And we've got some uh, great examples of how true sport is helping people to realize the sport that they want, how it reflects um, the behaviors that we hope to see in sport and how it provides an opportunity or a platform for sport organizations to actually communicate what it is they want sport to offer, what it is they're offering and what people can expect to achieve from it. So. Yeah, all of that coming together uh, on, on these tour stops, I think will hopefully be really empowering and provide a lot of hope to those people who are really passionate about sport and really understand what it can do for their for their communities. This morning, Carrie, I did a workshop with an NSO and their board about what it means to be a board member. And it reminded me of the difficulty or the complication it can be to work in sport these days. And when we talk about the must-haves, one of those things is policies. And, and this morning I was chatting with this board and the query always comes up is how often should we review our policies? And unfortunately, I recommend somewhere around 20 to 25 policies that are more administrative and may not even deal with sport. And when we talk about 20 to 25 policies and you take two and review them every year, it'll take you over a decade 
to review them. What I love about the idea of this hope tour is that we can remind people who work in sport that one, we are we are here and, and CCS is here and True Sport is here because <clears throat> we haven't seen everybody in person in over three years because of the pandemic. So one, one major exciting part is to say hi to people in person. And then the secondary part is to remind them that they don't have to know everything, but we can provide the resources to help them understand what they need and if they need help implementing it, that becomes a, a separate conversation. But that's really what excites me is to be able to share that they're not alone in, in the challenges that they're facing and that there are organizations like both of ours that, that can help in this process. Yeah, I really, I really appreciate that, Steve. And, you know, when we reached out last fall to all 14 provincial territorial partners, uh, we we had a conversations with all of them. Not all of them are ready yet to say yes. Although we can say that I think pretty much all of them thought this was a really intriguing idea. And maybe I'll ask you, Carrie, for, for us, it was really important for Steve and I and our team of, of incredible consultants to focus on what we call the meat in the, in the sandwich, right? That the provincial and territorial sport organizations who are feeling uh, a significant amount of, of burden, heaviness right now, because if we think it's tough to be a national sport organization, and we know it's really tough right now, imagine if you've got the burden or the weight of all of that coming down on you from the national level. So that's what a lot of the PSO leaders are feeling. But then you have the lived experience of the storefronts, right? The, the clubs and associations that are delivering sport on the field of play in communities across the country. So we were finding that I, I'm calling them the forgotten ones. These leaders who were feeling depleted, anxious, don't have anywhere near the resources. Many of them, there's one ED who's also serving as maybe a part-time HPD and a technical director and a finance person and chief cook and bottle washer. So I'm curious, you know, for us, our intention was clear. We wanted to focus on the, the middle uh, child in the Canadian sports system. And curious, Carrie, you know, maybe with your vast experience, what is it about us going into communities that really is intriguing to you? That's a really good question, Dina. I feel like we've often taken a strategy of, you know, top down or bottom up or, you know, meet in the middle kind of thing. But you're right. In terms of the meat in the middle, I think it does get forgotten. And we focus on, you know, the, the grassroots or we focus on the high performance and we kind of miss that middle section. And this really is an integral part of our sports system. I think one of the key things that we believe is that everybody at all levels has a a place to or should be making a positive contribution to sport and has an integral role in ensuring the sport system that we have in our country. So the PTs are a great place for us to uh, engage, like you say, or Steve said, we haven't seen them in a really long time. So meeting face to face, we've got some PTs who've done fabulous work thus far. We've got others who are knocking on the door and asking to do more. So it's a good opportunity for us to help. You know, we hear the buzzwords of system alignment. We're hearing that all the time no matter who we're talking to at, at what level. And I think working from the middle out may help us to really be an integral part of helping with that system alignment because we have experience, a lot of experience at the national level. And then obviously we've got community sport that's you know uh, doing a lot as well. So this hope tour and these interactions, I think will help to create the alignment and really 
like I said earlier, empower those that are in the middle that have a have an interesting place because they work outwards, upwards, and you know, in all directions. Dina, we'll talk about the logistics of what it means to attend one of the Hope Doors in a location near you. But Carrie, I'm very excited what you just said. And I, I do think it maybe becomes a focal point of some of the conversations that we have is that doing it, that system alignment, that pan-Canadian, that that consistency. And I think that's something sport has to start looking at a little bit differently is these silos that we work in. And if a message that we can share across this country is to try and share resources, try and create consistency. I always say being a good person in BC, it should be the same as being a good person in Nova Scotia and, and everybody in between. So I really love that idea as a key communication piece to the Hope Tour. Mm-hmm. Well, I want to introduce some, maybe some new language because it seems to me, and I've, I just posted something on, on LinkedIn to dissuade us of the language of alignment. You know, in order for us to align, we need to align around shared values and a common mission and, and maybe a, a shared sense of what is our purpose? What is our vision? And I don't think that that's realistic given the fractured, depleted system that underpins sport in the 21st century. And so the language that maybe is really galvanizing to me is more about system integration. How might we create more integration, both horizontally and vertically, so we are not duplicating efforts, that we have a clear sense of the roles and responsibilities and the authority levels between national, provincial, territorial, and community-facing organizations. I think it's a pipe dream. I don't think it's realistic for us to align given what we're seeing now in the fractured, broken system. So, so integration feels much more as an invitation to that, that possibility. In terms of you know the goods and 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 what we're actually going to do in, in these communities, before we get there, I would love to maybe give Carrie some airtime here to talk a little bit more about what is true sport. And full disclosure, you know, I, I've worked with the Canadian Center for Ethics and Sport, as I shared early on in the conversation. It was one of the highlights of my career to work with people like Carrie and others alongside this dream that we had about sport being a good place for children and parents and and officials and coaches and administrators. And maybe that's why we're connecting around this shared vision that that is possible and we have to do so intentionally. So as a brand that is like a, a vessel of meaning for all things good in sport, Carrie, maybe I'm wondering, can you tell us a little bit more about what is true sport and, and the CCS's role in championing this, this national, I don't know if it's a movement or a promise, a campaign, or all of the above. Maybe just share a little bit more about if we sign on to true sport as, as sport law has, what are we signing on to? Sure, happy to chat a little bit about that, Dina. And as you know from your history, True Sport has been, you know, grappling with: is it a movement? Is it is it an initiative? What exactly is it? Uh, who leads it? Who powers it? How do we communicate it? So, in our most recent strategic plan from the CCS, we identified four pillars, and one of those is True Sport. So, in 2018, we traveled the country for a values proposition proposition symposium with the Public Policy Forum to 
just re-engage Canadians around what values they wanted their sport experience to be based on. You know, what were the principles that should drive that sport experience? As you well know that, you know, those date back to 2002 around the sport we want and research that you've talked about on previous podcasts. So we re revalidated that, I guess, in 2018. But one of the things people told us across the country, you know, from the community level to the national level, was that they needed a network leader for values-based sport is what they were calling it at the time. You know, someone who would values-based sport is in our Canadian sport policy. You know, values-based is a buzzword in so many parts of our society. And it was, you know, who's going to help us? Who's going to empower us? Who's going to be there when we have questions? Or who's going to, you know, be the convener and help to share the ideas and share the stories of this? So that's the role the CCS has taken. So for someone like me, that is fabulous because I can now say, I'm from the CCS. I'm the executive director of Values Based Sport. This is what True Sport is. It's an initiative of the CCS, um, but it's it's also an approach to values based sport. So how we how we achieve values based sport is really up to us. We think True Sport is a fabulous way to do that. There are seven principles that underpin True Sport. We think that when those principles are alive and well on the field of play, that good sport experiences will arrive. And when good sport experiences are, are there, you will have more participants, you will have more retention, you will increase your rates of participation, you will instill character in your kids, you'll strengthen your communities, and we'll also increase our opportunities for personal excellence. The more people who play, the longer they play, etc. And all of those pieces together will create a culture, a set of behaviors that we've come to know that we want our sport to reflect. Unfortunately, you know, over the over the last little bit, we've seen some pieces where maybe sport hasn't reflected what we want it to. But I think we have a growing group of people, organizations and communities that know that sport can deliver all these great benefits. And so they want to work towards that. And we also know that we need to be intentional to ensure the sport experiences that we want. So like Steve said, you know, a good person in BC, it should be the same as a good person in, in Ontario or whatnot. But I think a sport experience, you know, whether it's at the grassroots or whether it's at the high performance, whether it's an individual sport, whether it's a team sport, regardless of which part of the country you're playing in, or whether you're playing within school, within the community or within a club system, all sports should look and feel the same, but different because sport is different and levels of sport are different and participants are different. But those underpinning principles should be resident in the sport experience so everyone knows the type of sport that they're experiencing. And I would say the last piece that's really important to true sport is that everyone has a role to play. So it's not just about the athlete on the field of play. True sport is there for officials, it's there for parents, for coaches, for administrators, for all of those folks who have a role to play in sport, they can live and express their behaviors and their commitment to sport through the true sport principles as a way of indicating as sport law has that they believe that good sport can make a really great difference. Mm. Carrie, I'm wondering, might add to what you just said, there's been recently the establishment of abuse-free sport and to re to react to the allegations of maltreatment in sport. I'm wondering if you could talk a little bit about how you see true sport being a proactive measure to abuse-free sport. Absolutely. I think abuse-free sport, you know, it's important. This is a a severe issue that we need to address. And once again, we need to be intentional about it. 
but hopefully as a, as a sector, as a society, we wanna go upstream, we wanna do prevention. So we wanna create a culture that minimizes the opportunity for incidents of harm to happen. And that is where I would say there's a continuum in sport and that the absence of harm is not good enough. It's the place to start, it's the bare minimum. You know, then you move along that continuum and you get to a place where the sport experience is kind of neutral, right? You're not harmed, but you're not really, you know, it's just, it is what it is. And I think what we're talking about at True Sport is that you need to have a sport experience that actually, you know, provides benefit. A lot of people will attribute their greatest characteristics or their fabulous life lessons or, you know, a little bit of who they are. I'm sure we would all have personal stories around that, that they are who they are because of the sport experiences that they've had. And so I think that's what we're striving for. And so true sport is an opportunity and we've seen a number of organizations across the country use it as a way to address safe sport issues in a way that is positive, in a way that is proactive, in a way that demonstrates the behaviors we want versus the things we don't. So it goes right to the fundamentals of this hope tour. It's about hope, it's about forward looking, it's about positivity, it's about modeling what we think sport can and should be and how we hope that it will breed a culture that will create positive experiences. Mm -hmm. You know, it reminds me of uh, our good friends, Wayne and Sheldon, well, Wayne McNeil and Sheldon Kennedy, who were pioneers, you know, in the early 2000s after Sheldon rollerbladed across Canada to raise awareness for his own lived experience uh, of severe maltreatment in the 90s at the hands of his coach and how he turned something horrific into something hopeful through his respect in sport, you know, education training and initiative. And and I've been on his podcast and, and Sheldon will tell you it's taken, you know, 20 years and now there's the traction. People are more ready now than perhaps they've ever been. And what we would invite people to this conversation with is, as Carrie says, it's not enough to just manage and mitigate risks. It's important and essential for us to forecast what are the things that are gonna get in the way, but it is partial, it's insufficient. And our conversation, what we are really here to support and nourish is when we do all of this good work around seeding, values-based and principle-driven sport through those seven true sport principles, we're going to see less incidents of maltreatment. And, and I know this as a coach who coached for over a decade with both my three, three children, but also separate from that, when I've used those seven principles in the sport experience, these athletes have, you know, they've used me as their reference. They've called me when they've gotten married. They have stayed connected because those seven principles were the invitation to create this thriving experience where the results were part of it, but the, the lived experience was, was right alongside that. So as we start to, you know, maybe give people a better understanding of what it is that we're going to do, I'm wondering if the three of us can paint a picture for what we're gonna do from community to community. We have seven confirmed now, and I suspect that once we start uh, traveling the, the country, we might get more interested hosts who want to invite us into their, their location to have these important conversations. So would it be helpful if we, we talked a little bit about uh, what that looks like? I can start, Dean. I know what excites yeah. me is, is saying hello to people again in person. It's also, as I said before, just to remind them that 
they're not expected to know everything and everybody that there are resources available to them to to support them through good times and bad times and and to talk about my area of expertise of course the legal side and as we like to say it in house the must haves the legally required policies procedures to educate people on what's happened over the last 5 years in particular there's been a lot of changes from inclusivity EDI, safe sport, the establishment of abuse-free sports. There's a lot of different moving pieces that I want to bring people up to speed to let them know, one, to understand it, and two, how to manage it, and three, that they, again, if they don't have the expertise, there are people out there who can support them through the process. So like I said, I'm really just excited to say hello and and see people and and let them know that there's help out there. Mm. Okay, great. So that that's uh, they're certainly going to benefit, Steve, from your vast experience and also the way in which you can talk about things in a really pragmatic, uh, co- confident, and and humanistic perspective. So you you're helping people demystify some of these legal things that are probably keeping them up at night. Carrie, what are some of the the most important messages maybe that you want to convey when you when you talk about true sport and activating that in in their region? I'm really excited to um, meet people where they're at. Like I said earlier, we've got different provinces and territories across the country. They all have things that are unique about them. And some of them have been involved in true sport for many, many years. They have provincial strategies. They've included their, you know, their education and their community and their government and all different, you know, stakeholders within their, within their province in true sport. So visiting them, seeing where they are, helping them to take a moment, stand still, reflect and see where they're going next will be really great. We've got other provinces who are, you know, I would say in the early stages of true sport. So finding out what their, what are their hopes? What are their dreams? How do they see it connecting? That will be really cool. And then of course, there's other provinces who are, they're just not quite there yet, but everyone who we've talked to obviously has a strong desire to get there. So I think being able to meet with people, to educate them, to share what true sport is all about, to share some of the stories about what others have done, what's worked, what hasn't. So people don't have to, you know, reinvent the wheel will be really exciting. And just to, as Steve said, to make sure that people understand that they're not alone. There are a lot of tools. There are a lot of research. There's a couple of decades of work that has gone into this, but now more than ever, it seems the time is right for this. We've got people who want to do these things. They want to engage in, in making sport better or, you know, ensuring that sport uh, can be all that it can be. And so, working collaboratively with you two uh, to go out and to meet these people is is really, really exciting. I can't wait. We're going to have so much fun. And and what I'm really excited about is, well, just bringing this this little vision that we had to life and and talking about some of the leadership challenges as a leadership coach and a culture coach. I'm, I'm really interested and invested in helping humans thrive and in helping people work better together. And so what I'm excited about is addressing some of the exhaustion that we see so much now in the, in the sector. It's hard to be treading water. And I think many of them were exhausted going into the pandemic. You can imagine how they're feeling now. So that really has me excited. I also am really excited to build this wish list as we go from province to territory to province to province, I'm really excited about learning what is their top three wishes and how we can start to maybe communicate that through the podcast, how we can and maybe share some of the insights that are surfacing in terms of the three big wishes for each of the locations to start to tie a ribbon 
maybe that red ribbon that you've spoken about, Carrie, the true sport red ribbon of a commitment, a shared commitment to values-based sport that was articulated at the Canada Games back in London, you know, two and a half decades ago when we were converging around the summer games in London, Ontario, and, and there was that affirmation and commitment to values-based sports. So I'm super excited about that. If anybody who's listening to our podcast is curious about how they can host a hope tour in their backyard, we're going to be publishing some information. We're going to announce this on a CERC, the Sport Information Resource Centre. We customize every single one. So we're really proud that the first one that we're going to be launching the Hope Tour is with PEI, which is fresh off the Canada game. So that's really exciting. And everyone is a bit unique, but the architecture underneath the three are, are quite similar in that we've invited the media to join us for the launch of this, if you will, on the evening before the workshop. And that's a more intimate setting. We envision having open conversations with people about what, what they're hopeful for and what are some of the things that are weighing them down. And then the next day is, is very similar to what we've engaged with today is conversations around legal leadership and, and true sport activation. So we're excited about partnering with these extraordinary provincial and territorial leaders who really want to help reimagine a new way for sport moving forward and delighted to what we're going to both hopefully inspire and address and ignite as we, we go from city to city across the country over the next year or so. So I don't know that I have anything else other than deep gratitude to the two of you for saying yes to the dress. <laughs> Steve, any parting words before we return to Carrie to say, to reflect on anything else? No, just to reiterate what you said, Dina, if any organization is interested in hosting a hope tour, they can reach out to us at hello at sportlaw.ca. Happy to customize what that would look like for your organization. And yeah, looking forward to traveling with the two of you and saying hello to all our friends across the country that work in sports. So uh, if it's based on any history that we've had traveling together before, it should be a, it should be a good time. The, the sport landscape will never be the same again. What about you, Carrie? Any parting words before we say goodbye? Yeah, sorry. I'm just trying to, you know, get over the visions in my head of our roadshow that is is soon uh, to be a reality. So very excited um, to travel with the two of you. Very excited to meet uh, everyone in the provinces and territories that have already uh, signed up for this tour and hoping more people will, um, will hear this podcast and want to join us. And for those of you who you know, might not have the opportunity through that. Just remember that Sport Law and CCS are here. TrueSports.ca has got a wealth of resources and tools that can help you. So if you want to activate uh, in any way, shape or form, regardless of where you are in the sports system or in this country, we're, we are here to help you. So please uh, don't be shy to reach out. Mm. All right. So until we travel again, I'm really excited to, to do this. And uh, thank you to all of those who, who have said yes already to, to an invitation to a deeper, more hope-filled conversation about all things sport. So to learn more about Hope on the Horizon and additional reasons we remain hopeful for the future of sport, check out the links in the episode notes below, including Carrie's impressive resume. Thanks to our guest and dear friend, Carrie Dawson, who joined us for this special episode to announce the Hope on the Horizon tour and who's going to be joining us, as you already know, across the provinces and territories of this beautiful country we call Canada. 
If you want to learn more about sport law or the CCS, you can visit us on social media at sportlawca and at ethics in sport for all updates about hope on the horizon. Thank you for listening and stay tuned for our next episode.